Ray's Rowdy Racing with Caleb Conradi and Dawson Edwards. What up, everyone? We are back. What's going on? Glad to be back. 2024. 2024. This is the uh, first, uh, first podcast of 2024 and first time ever having uh, three people on the podcast, everyone. This is heck? Mr. Brandon Lee. Absolutely. Of RFK fame. Yep. Heck Mr. Yeah, RFK himself. Yeah, thanks Hell for yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. It'll be fun. I know we've uh, we've probably caught up in the past, but uh, maybe not formally like this. And to your point, three people on at once. So I know it took me just about 10 minutes to get connected. So here we are. First yeah. time for everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all learning as we go here. I literally just bought all of my equipment brand new. Some of it, even as as soon as today, I got the new interface in because that house fire we had, we, we've had to replace everything. So I'm sitting here with this new setup, sitting on my bed, even recording this. So everything is just ad hoc as it, as it stands, but we'll make it work. I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed you were sitting on a bed right now. It doesn't appear that you're in a bedroom or on a bed. Freaking memory foam, man. You could jump over here and have a wine glass over there and not spill it. I like the old school commercials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember those being on TV. Yeah, exactly. Except I don't look good in the uh, in the nightgown that the uh, girls yeah. are usually wearing when they're doing the jumping. Yeah, it's not as pretty of a sight. Yeah, for real. Heck yeah. Well, yeah. So to kind of introduce what we're doing today, uh, we promised y'all guests, and we almost didn't deliver until right just now. So we've been uh, kind of planning this with Burrell and Nikki T, and obviously with Brandon here. Uh, we wanted to start getting some guests on here to talk about what they do in the sport. Uh, these are some of our really good buddies we'll be having on. And obviously, Brandon, you're the first that we're having here. And we've known you for a couple of years. So if you just want to kind of introduce yourself to the people that might not know you, I know we talk a lot about you on social media. We talked uh, a lot with our buddies and everything. But for those that don't know you, uh, what do you do at RFK and kind of uh if you don't mind going into kind of a description of how you got started in the sport and what are you what you're up to now absolutely yeah well first off uh thanks for having me i know to your point i, I listen quite often and uh, i know you guys mentioned us and my name personally so appreciate the shout out we uh we'll take all the support we can get so uh <laughs> yeah i um i've been doing this for going on this will be my seventh race season actually um which is kind of wild to think about because I started back in uh, like the fourth race of 2018, um, and here we are. So many years later, it feels like it flew by. But yeah, for the for the folks out there that maybe don't know, um, I handle all things PR, comms, uh, team liaison, and drivers for for our team here at RFK. So I know that's a lot of words and a lot of descriptions. Most people probably don't understand, but uh, yeah, basically it's it's handling all thing uh, media relations, uh, driver logistics. Uh, managing driver calendars, um, you know, that obviously there's two different ways I kind of look at it. You got their during the week um, obligations, which is more PR focused. And then once we get to the racetrack, it's all logistics, man. It's it's getting people to where they need to be. Um, and actually, I, I've told a lot of people in the music business that I think it's pretty close to tour manager. So uh, hopefully <laughs> I don't offend any TMs out there by saying that. But the ones I've talked to, they uh, they feel like it's pretty, pretty close. So um, yeah, it's fun. Obviously it takes you, you know, all over the country as you guys do. There's so many similarities to what, what we do, our two worlds. And we've, we've discussed that offline, but, um, certainly, you know, you get to see a lot of places, uh, you know, we travel, you guys know, but 30, 
38 weekends, well, 38 race weekends. I don't travel to all those, obviously. Um, yeah, and I go at all, but about four or five. So um, it's grueling, but, you know, right now is the off season, which is slowly winding down. I reminded myself a minute ago <laughs> doing some work, and I'm like, oh, man, we leave in two weeks. So here yeah. we are. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a good time. Um, I guess to answer your, your last question, if I go way back, um, how did I get in? So I, uh, I came from college athletics, which is another very vague description, but, um, kind of did the same thing in, in college sports before this. And long story short, my now boss, uh, is best friends with the guy who formerly handled PR for Talladega. Um, every track kind of has a PR rep and, and those two were best buddies growing up. So I, uh, saw this job come open on LinkedIn. Actually, it was the Sunday night of the 500. I think it it must have been in 2018. Yeah, it had to be because that's when I started. Um, saw it pop up, applied for it. Two days later, a member of the staff here called me. He was like, hey, you want to come up for an interview? And I did, and that was it. So little did I know then, but now, um, like I said, my now boss, he was buddies with the guy at Talladega. The guy at Talladega calls me. He's like, hey, what a, what's this deal? What are you applying for? I was like, that's actually what I was calling you. So um, he told me what it was and, and that was it moved up here and been doing it ever since. And obviously, you know, there's been some transitions and different drivers over the years, but, uh, the role's the same. Um, you know, it, it's a good time. Obviously we, when we get to see folks like you guys out on the road, it, it's even better. So, um, that was very long winded hopefully I answered it, but we can obviously <laughs> dive in more as we go along. So, no, oh, absolutely. What, what I think is a cool thing about your story, and you can elaborate on this more if you want to, but uh, Brandon did not live in North Carolina when he got the offer, you know, the job, the interview, you know what I mean? So they had to, were you in Mississippi at the time that's when that a, happened? Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's what I yeah, thought. So you I worked could, for Ole Miss, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So okay. I was, we were there, um, me and my wife have been there like two, two and a half years. So uh, when I got the job, actually... I had to ask my dad. I'm like, Hey, do we know about in Charlotte? And he was like, yeah, my cousin lives up there. <laughs> well, I haven't seen said cousin in, you know, 10 years at the time. So, uh, he reached out to him and it was kind of ironic and funny at the same time. He's like, yeah, we got plenty of room. We're used to hosting people. So, uh, the short story is I moved up here, lived with them for a couple of years until we got settled in. But yeah, I had never really been here. Uh, didn't know the area at all. So kind of just figured it out. Um, our first house we bought side unseen wife bought it over FaceTime. While I was actually working my last baseball game at Ole Miss. So it all happened so fast, but, uh, just as soon as I say that 70 years are going by fast. So <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah. Thing. No, that's, you're not kidding. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's the craziest part to me is like, I feel like people moving to Nashville or stuff like that. It's like pretty planned. You know, mm -hmm. you, you do yeah. some, you go visit colleges or you go visit some things a couple of times, you know, it's it's somewhat planned and then your situation is like you were doing a job and then two days later you're getting the interview and then four weeks into the season like you said it started at you know the 500 four weeks you're rocking and rolling that just blows my mind and moving from mississippi to charlotte north carolina yeah yeah it's a little Talk different transition yeah you know the crew guys up here the ones that have you know work on the car and uh all that they've been here most of them their whole life right and that's what they know how to do so they'll bounce around team to team, but they live here. They know all the people in the circles, that type of deal. And we all see each other at the racetrack. But yeah, at the time, Dawson, to your point, I was brand new, had no idea. Um, and as it turns out, I maybe knew like one other person, but didn't obviously realize that back then. Um, so yeah, it was a little, a little different, a little daunting to get up here, but 
um, it's been good. We've enjoyed it. So looking forward to more. That's awesome. Heck yeah. I mean, I, I still remember back whenever we first met you, uh, that was back, gosh, what year did we go down not, to Charlotte? Was that was 2018 not, or was no, that 2019? Yeah. So I always uh, throw those two together. Me and Brandon met just over social media talking back yep. and forth. And then we, I remember I went to Dega in 2018 or no 2019 sorry and uh i didn't actually i had we had like talked or whatever and i like sent some pictures of, like we were up in the stands or whatever and then later that year at kentucky is when i got to do that stuff with toyota and that was like the first time i think i actually met you in person was that and that had nothing to do with rfk or anything that was just that toyota stuff and then it would have been me and caleb came uh all-star race weekend so what is that yeah, it was around may? may it was may, in yeah. may yep. around memorial right. day and so then we came down and you gave us a tour of the shop and we got to see all the stuff that we had never seen before which was super badass and then since then we went to a, we went to a good handful of races a handful and, yeah oh yeah gotten, yeah brandon gets solid few you've come up and visited and in nashville and, yeah <laughs> absolutely with yeah. the banquets and stuff i remember we went around uh bmg that time I gave yep. you the tour, like the record label. They had just moved into that new building and like had the big label and all the big fancy. Anybody that's seen BMG in the last few years, that that was cool. And then the uh, awards are in Nashville, so you're you know there for that. And then also the race is in Nashville, so you're also there that's for right. that. So you're in Nashville, you know, a couple times a year, either way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, even you say that now, and I thought about it, even before then, before I worked in this, we used to go to Nashville like two or three times a year, mostly over the summer, just to hang out and go see people we knew, and then we quit going, moved here, but now as it turns out, I still go twice a year, so I'll, uh, yeah. I'll never get away from that town in some way, but I, I don't I don't hate that either. Don't yeah. worry, I, I think we both feel that in the same way. <laughs> that, was a, that was another thing I wanted to bring up. You're also an avid country music fan, and yeah. we also yeah. talk a lot about, obviously, because our world, country music, it's like the the NASCAR country music podcast. <clears throat> so uh, that's also pretty cool, too, getting to come to Nashville, being a massive country music fan as well. I think yeah. it's like, in our world, like we work in the country music thing, and like our it's like we ooh and ah over the NASCAR thing. And then not to put words in your mouth, but like you get the ooh and ah at the country music thing and, oh, yeah. you know, get, we get Absolutely. to bring you in to do, you know, cool stuff. I don't think you've actually came to a Travis show yet, though, right? Your wife has no, came yeah. to a yeah, couple. You did back in the, uh, the Brooks and Dunn show. That's right. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Started, that, was, actually. that was before yeah. I was even there. Yeah, it's pre Dawson. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's funny. You say that, Dawson. You would think that I'd go to everyone that's around here. But if anybody hadn't figured out yet. We're typically gone when you guys are gone, so yeah. Uh, yeah. the dates rarely match up. Uh, so yeah, we haven't. You know what? I actually have one on the calendar in like a couple months that I need to. We need to talk about that. I that earmarked. Uh, I think it's like during the oh, week. I already we'll, know exactly we'll get, which we'll one get it there. is too. Yeah, we'll get there. I know exactly which one it is because we've been researching too. We were looking at a. Uh, our dates on our calendar uh, that we have tentative for the year and the dates of where the NASCAR races is. We kind of try to plan it out beforehand and we've already i don't know we've already got at least one date worth looking at possibly I mean, we, did, we did that last year as well there was towards the end of the year it was odd we were close not close Four enough or five to like make it row. happen but like we were in the same state a couple times that nascar was in the same that same whatever state y'all were in we were in that mm -hmm. same yep. state maybe on a friday or a saturday but uh yeah 
it's huh. funny. I, I do that too. I, um, I think like a couple times a year, I'll just go into an app or whatever and be like, all right, where we're, where we're we going to coming up. And naturally you'll find one show here or there that, that yeah. adds up. And sometimes we'll go to them. Sometimes we won't just depends on what's going on. So, uh, yeah, yeah there's always somebody in town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's Heck a lot yeah. of people playing music around the country. So yeah, there's bound to be one close when y'all are in 38 different places throughout That's the right. year. Yep. Heck yeah. No, it always, it always cracked me up back to what we were talking about. I, it, it's, I think me and Dawson have, uh, talked about if we can't make this freaking music thing work for some reason, let's just move to Charlotte and try to bulk up and become Jackman or something. <laughs> and then, yeah. And Come then on, we, once we ended up meeting with you, you were always asking like, man, I wonder if there's anything I can take over in the music world if this doesn't work out. It's hilarious how much of an overlap that has become in the yeah, way that absolutely. we all talk to each other nowadays. It, it cracks me up. Yeah, and even oh, outside Grant's- of this group, too. I know like my wife's cousin, uh, she works in industry, and, and we've even talked about it before. There, there's so many similarities, um, which, again, we could go into too real deep. But, yeah, it's just crazy because <laughs> basically you match up, you add travel, and you know logistics and people and it, it it's all the same thing at the end of the day so yeah how much of the travel do you actually take part in planning do you like put together flights do you put together any kind of transportation or is that some there's there's some travel booking agent that y'all have somewhere that does that kind of stuff for you? uh we're pretty much spoiled uh we've got like a travel coordinator that she handles everything from rental car hotel plane all the way up um the i would say the part where i kind of get in the weeds is on anything related to drivers so a lot of times, basically, she's going to book their flights based off the track schedule. Um, if there's anything else drivers have to do, that's where I get in the middle and try to figure out what makes the most sense and timing and routing and stuff. Um, and that happens gotcha. probably once a month, to be honest with you. So, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, it's a it, it it's a one team effort on her behalf. Uh, she manages basically around 50 people that travel every week, uh, wow. and she doesn't travel with us. It's, is the best part. So. She kind of does it from afar, says, here you go, and we figure it out. So, Wow. So here's That's a, unbelievable. Here's a random question. So <laughs> if, it, if you would handle this or she would handle this. So yeah. it was one race towards the end of the year last year when Brad's wife was having their kid, and he left on, I want to say, like Saturday, Cole Custer. Was this the last race yep. of the year maybe? Cole yep, Custer qualified was, yeah. the car? Yeah. So yeah. do you – would, did you handle that, like getting him back to Charlotte or, or wherever the baby was born, I assume, Charlotte? But did you handle that, or is that something she handled, or do they have that like pre-made in that it could possibly happen? No, that's a good question. That one, actually, he handled all on his own. Um, now, look, don't get me wrong. We were two weeks out. We're like, hey, what's the plan here? What's the plan? And, you know, knowing Brad, entrepreneur, businessman, he's always got a plan. And, uh, yeah, he, he didn't really know what the timing was going to look like, but obviously who would in that situation? Um, but when it came down to getting back, oh yeah, he, he made the phone call, did it all himself. Um, and I was basically out of it other than we were, we were almost to the point where Sunday morning coming back, uh, that we were about to go pick him up on a golf cart because traffic was getting so bad. And we're like, Hey man, I'm getting ready to go here. And he's not at the racetrack, but it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, in that situation, it, it was, a he kind of did it himself and rightfully so I would have done the same thing. Yeah. yeah, that's just stressful. I can't even imagine those kind of moments are just something you can't really plan for. Yeah, and just getting dro- that dropped in your lap, just knowing what we deal with on our end of things with y'all, it's got to be even worse because you want to talk about playing some places that are out in the middle of nowhere. We've done a little bit of that, but that seems to be ninety percent of the time where y'all are is 
far yeah. as all hell away from anything close enough to be able to get out. Yeah. So well, that's see, it's definitely funny. A, a headache. When you, when you say that, it reminds me, because we talk about this all the time, like, and I guess this is similar for us and you guys, and maybe golf is the only other sport, but other sports have home games, home events, built-in home crowds. We don't mm-hmm. have that. And you could say Charlotte's one, but we still don't own Charlotte. We don't, you know, we don't own the rights to it. We don't go over there every day. We don't work in there. Um, so our crowd travels as do we, just like you guys, you pick up and move traveling circus is what we call it. So, uh, it's all, it's all a road game. There is no home game. Um, and like I said, I think golf probably makes the most sense because they don't, they don't have home matches either. Um, so yeah, to your point, you're, you're always on the move no matter what. Yeah, for real. There's no such thing as sitting still around here. That's right. I couldn't, we have what we have, uh, I guess, is it 20? people total that we do uh last year it was 17 on the regular and at max yeah 20 to 21 yeah so i mean y'all are doing double that you know getting getting that many it's like herding cats you know even even as as much as everybody can get along and all be together and pretty much on the same schedule it still feels like to me it'd be like herding cats getting oh yeah 21 to 50 people all coordinated going to the same place at the same time. Yeah, I'm sure y'all run into hotel issues. We run into that more often than not, but just random mm-hmm. little bumps in the road that you got to talk to 50 different people about or 21 different people. I just yeah. I couldn't imagine. Hope that and lady see, gets paid well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout right. out to you, lady. Yeah. Uh, y'all know this part, but you know, the difference is in our deal, we don't all go together. Thankfully. Um, you know, we've got the road crews, which is anywhere from 10 to 12 guys multiply that times two in our case. Um, you know, if you're Stuart Haas or Hendrick multiply that times four, um, those are the guys that go in on Friday and stay there all weekend. Then the pit crews just come in for the most part on Sunday morning. So there are different times that we travel. We don't necessarily always go together out, but coming back, we're always together. Um, you know, most race teams that don't have their own airplanes are sharing the same charter company. So we're flying with track house every Friday. Um, our pickers are traveling with like Penske and other guys coming, coming in on Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, either way, we're landing at the same FBO. We're getting the rental cars in the same parking lot. You land open, plane door opens and there's 300 rental cars sitting there. Um, huh. So yeah, we're not, we're not individually traveling but in some ways we're we're so much together that it feels like you're all on the same team even though you're not you don't work at the same place the next guy does so yeah it's definitely wild friendly competition that's right yep oh yeah man so it's here's one more logistical nightmare question (laughs) that i have i've heard i've heard funny little stories through other podcasts and, and driver interviews and stuff but like so say your team wins or, a, you know, the team, one of the four, one of the two, somebody in that team wins. Does everybody have to wait on that team to get done with all the media and all of those things? Or how does yeah. that work? Yeah. So in our case, um, I would say half the time, at least somebody's going to have to wait. It's just a matter of, is it your own teammates or is it some other team that may be sharing the plane with you? Um, like when we come home every Sunday, we fly back our two road crews for both our cars, then th- their two pit crews accordingly. Um, and then you've got, I don't know, five to seven of us, uh, a couple of competition guys, two or three IT people, um, drivers, one or two, depending on, you know, where Brad and Chris may fly at the time. And then we also fly back 
two more pickers, which we also pit other cars in the Cup Series on Sunday. So we're filling up a plane no matter what every Sunday or Saturday. Um, so, yeah, last year, like when we won, uh, you know, the six guys are actually at the time, I think we were all going through pretty extensive post-race tech. So it didn't necessarily matter as much on, uh, you know, like at Daytona, we finished one and two. Here's an example. Either way, they both had to go through teardown and tech. So no matter, even though the 17 won, the six guys were still in the tech line right behind them at the end of the night. So that part didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, c- I could see a scenario where, you know, there might be another team that wins, say a, a legacy or something like that. And uh, they might be sharing a plane with somebody else. And you might have a couple people waiting. But for the most part, you know, the charter companies we work with, they do a good job to move everybody around and say, look, we're not going to keep people sitting here for two or three hours. So, uh, cause we always said the nice. biggest race of the day is the race of the airplane. So yep. it comes true every <laughs> Sunday, every oh, year. Yeah, talk to Kyle Bush about that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. There's stories too. I'm sure there are. I'd love to hear them. That's hilarious. <clears throat> and it's a lot Thanks. different now than it used to be right. Because back what, 10 to 15 years ago, most of the drivers had their own planes. Correct. Yeah. And then now, yep. I think only a few drivers have their own planes. Yeah, there's probably, have them. I don't I don't know, four to six maybe. Um, and those guys, you know, sometimes they'll they'll jump on with each other. But there's even other like, you got all kind of folks that, um, you know, there's like a spotter deal. Some spotters jump on a plane together and go out to the West Coast trips. Uh, and then every now and then you have to go commercial, funny enough, which I, I say that and I I realize we're spoiled because our, our media friends and partners and some, some industry folks go commercial every week. So uh, I actually don't mind it at all. But if I had to do it that many times, I'd probably be over it. Yeah. It's just a different, it's crazy, man. And I, I, I know what I sound like. I sound awful because I'm talking about how different commercial flying is, but it's an experience, but I, I don't hate it. So I'm not yeah. that snooty about it. Uh, that's part of it. You know, if you get the perks, you got to take them for as much as they're worth. Absolutely. Especially when you do that much traveling. I mean, mm. I couldn't, it would drive me bonkers. Like just flying every now and again is totally fine. But like May of a couple years ago, we had, I think it was, I had 15 or 17 total flights in the month of May. But for Travis was playing acoustic shows on the West Coast. And so like Caleb and the acoustic crew is out there and I only do full band stuff. So they would fly the band and I guess just me and Dean, our front house mm-hmm. guy, we would all, which is a group of like, it was always a group of like eight to nine people. And yeah. we were com- obviously commercial and we flew to every show and back to every back home and then back out to the West coast. And it's like, you do that 17 times in one month and it's like, man i'm over this 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 sucks just you deal with so many people half a month (laughs) yeah yeah it is (laughs) and it throws off the whole schedule like we're there was certainly had to get up at like three o'clock in the morning for a flight out of orlando one time just Mm -hmm. like weird you know you can't get everything perfect we know where you wake up at eight o'clock and you're on a 10 o'clock flight it just doesn't work out that way so it really messes up the whole dynamic of the weekend really and i remember it was the Nashville race, I guess this was probably 2021. We were somewhere and you, I want to say you texted me. It was like, Hey dude, I'd asked you before. And I was like, there's no way we'll be able to make it. And then you you text me right at the end and you're like, dude, we actually have a couple passes left or something like that. Do you think anybody would want them? And I was like, 
Oh yeah. Let me talk to Scott and see if we're flying because we were way off somewhere. And I was like, it would actually yeah, we work gone. better if we drive because I'll be back in Nashville. It was like ten o'clock in the morning or something. I think that was the year. Yep. The race was at nighttime, so or something like that. It worked out whatever it was, and I was like, if we're flying, I'm screwed because Scott said the flight's not till like twelve or something. And I was like, and I went and asked him, and he's like, no, we're we're busting it back. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Called my dad. He drove up from Georgia, and boom, there we were. Heck yeah, yeah, I do remember that. You're yeah. right because it was that was a Nashville night race, and y'all got in like early that morning. And you're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to Nashville. See you there later. Book it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to book it over there. It was a lot That's of fun. Right. But see, I, I yeah. think the same thing. You guys talk about flying all the time. Yeah, it's long and it's grueling, but I don't really see any difference in y'all jumping on a bus on a Wednesday at 9 p.m. and riding for eight hours. Like, I, that sounds awful to me, which I know <laughs> at least you, you get, get on sleep. there and you go to sleep. Yeah, it, it, I guess that's the difference, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. I, it's not Depends always 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Depends on the driver. Depends on where you're going. If you're going through Louisiana for any reason whatsoever, you can kiss your sleep goodbye. It's oh. it's always something. You just never know what it is. Yeah. I know always, people always talk about, like, time. can you guys feel the bumps? Do you Are you heavy sleepers, oh, light sleepers? Yeah. 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 Uh, even, feel, even, I'm a heavy-ass sleeper, so yeah. it usually doesn't wake me up. It's got to be something pretty substantial. Like, yep. sometimes we'll hit one of those weird spots where the whole bus will just kind of jump up in the air for a half yeah. second. And drop you back down that'll wake me up but it's yeah. not the it's not the little stuff it's not the side to side it's the major moves that get me but there's some guys on there that complain just about the way the driver breaks yeah. is enough to get them oh, woken up and they can't sleep almost at all yeah so it's if you're a light sleeper it's it's rough time and honestly i mean we we travel on average i'd say average is six to eight hours a night in mm. you know from show to show and yep. there's because there's so much traveling, I would say an average of at least one time per night, there's a bump or someone cuts somebody off, you know, something like that, where it's like you, you notice it, like you're like, oh, what was that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not crazy because I'm also, I'm also a heavy sleeper, but I'd say at least once a night, something just because normal road wear and tear, whatever it may be, you're going to get woken up and just be like, oh God. Yeah. One of the funniest things I've ever done is back when I first started, I was smoking cigarettes, and of course, in the in the rest of the bus, you can't it, like in you the can't, bus. Caleb's you obviously smoking can't. In his bunk. You, well, you can't end the bus. Like the lounges, obviously, are off limits. Not everybody does. So, we had a driver at the time, and I would go up there. His name was Ray Martin. This man funniest chain smoked cigarettes met. like you wouldn't believe. Chain smoke Pall Mall, whatever the orange pack of Pall Malls is. That something. man had them always. And so you'd go up to the front, and we had a door at the time, so you could close the door, he'd open a window, and we'd both just sit up there and smoke cigarettes. So every time that we'd be coming home, I would sit out there next to the buddy window and let the smoke roll out the buddy window. If you've ever watched a bus driver drive in the middle of the night, you understand why it feels a lot smoother than you'd assume, because you would think if you were just watching this bus drive and you were off of it in a car passing by, you'd honestly think these guys were drunk. They'll start on the outside of the turn, just like they're turning through three and four. They'll start on the outside of the two lanes of the road, and then they'll sweep, swerve all the way down to the yellow line and then come back out onto the banking, back up to the white line on the outside, crossing both lanes of traffic doing it and going about 45 miles an hour. So they'll smooth the road out for you. So they're, they're taking care of you while they're driving, but it's really funny to watch them drive because they're breaking every rule in the book just trying to make sure that your ride is nice and smooth 
Oh, and it's really sure. fun to watch it because you just wouldn't realize sitting up there. A lot of the times you're jostling around, you're feeling it, you're thinking, damn, this guy's just all over the road and doing too much. And then you get up there and you realize he's really doing his best. It's just, you know, highways every now and then are just going to be awful. Yeah, that's what I was oh, saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun to watch them drive it's just it because like they do their best. You're going you're gonna to feel it, you know. And, and another thing with the drivers, they can't – you can't just jerk to miss something or, you know, hot hole, whatever because in that – one, they're top heavy, so that you don't have a flip wrist, obviously. But then also, there's <laughs> yeah. 15, you know, living humans in there as well. You don't want to get thrown out of your bunk or. Absolutely. Most of these guys have been driving, have been driving forever. Most of yeah. them, yeah. And they're yeah. very good at their jobs. I've heard we, me and Caleb, have heard stories of these guys. They've always been on the road for 30 years. It's, they they have some some good war stories about drivers, but yeah. Luckily, we have our the guy that came in after Ray. His name's Chuck, and he's he's incredible. So yeah, he's we, awesome. we don't really have nice. we don't really have many problems. Heck yeah, smooth sailing. Yeah, I'm trying to be. So uh, back onto the NASCAR kind of stuff. So Brandon, with your job where you've been at RFK this entire time, all of your experience has been there. The wildest part about it is the path that RFK has taken since you started to where it is now. I mean, the the K wasn't there. Your driver was completely different. You've been with the six car for pretty much the entire time as far as i understand it you do most of your work through the six obviously the 17's got to have a part in that as well but your driver started out with ryan newman and now is transferred into into brad keselowski how has that transitioned what you do and how has rfk changed along the way i know it's a lot all at once but yeah. Between the change of the uh, between the change of the driver, the change of the ownership, and the level of success that y'all are reaching right now, how has yeah. that changed the everyday of your job going from where you were back in 2018 to 2024 now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, the biggest thing, whenever you know you get a new driver, and I would say this is the case with working with any kind of talent, um, probably across the board, sports, entertainment, you name it. The biggest thing is just learning like personalities and who's who and how they operate. Um, you know, every, every guy's different in how they approach stuff about how they make decisions about how they want to be on race day. Um, how they want to like answer you. They want to text, call, email, like all those little things add up. Um, so really I wouldn't view it as much as what's the biggest change as much as it is in enduring the changes over time. Right. So yeah, back in 2018, we had Trevor Bain when I started. I was on the six car then. Um, we moved on. We had Matt Kenseth for a, a short period of time. Moved on to Ryan Newman. Obviously, now moved on to Brad. And in the middle of that, also picked up the 17 car. So now I'm representing both. Um, and Chris Busher as well, which Texas boy, as you are, Caleb. Um, Heck yeah. So, yeah, it uh, it's interesting because, you know, you have to – it's really – I tell people all the time, man, it – this job isn't really hard. Um, it's just keeping track of a lot of little things and making sure you're on your P's and Q's. Um, and it's really being ready for what's next and not necessarily reacting to so much. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I say that I, nobody was ready to react to Ryan Newman's wreck in 2020. I wasn't. No. Um, but in some ways you had to be, right? Because you have to have that mentality and know what to do. Um, but most everything we do is proactive. Um, and that's just knowing your guys and knowing who they are. Um you know, there are so many little things that you could look at, but yeah, like this week, we've been at production days, probably three days all week. And, you know, I know how Brad's going to be when we get in the room. I know he's going to want to get through as quick as he can. Uh, but I also know he's going to joke around with the folks in there 
and talk to them, shake their hand when he leaves, give good answers. Um, whereas Chris might be a little more quiet back of the room guy, but he's still going to do the job and do it and do it well. But in the middle of that, you're dealing with all the other drivers around and, and those guys each have their own personality. So production week is an interesting dynamic because it's probably the one time all year that they're all together and uh, they're interacting in weird ways because, you know, we'll walk in a room, do stuff on camera for 10 minutes. Next guy comes in. And then next thing you know, there's 30 of us standing there in a doorway and it's like, all right, what's going on? Um, I went down a rabbit hole there, but yeah, th that's probably the biggest thing that, that I've noticed over time is just, you know, adapting to people really. And that goes for all the way down to, you know, people you travel with people I work with on my hallway, um, people I'd oversee, like our content guys, like it, it, it all kind of stuff, not just the driver itself. Um, you know, crew chiefs change over time and those guys are obviously different. That's what I say at the end of the day, there, there's a unique personality in everybody. Um, and no matter what you do, you've got to deal with that and figure out how to work with it. And that, that's really all it boils down to. Um, now the flip side of that, you know, to your point, Caleb, we've obviously made the changes over the last couple of years. And I think that's paid off, especially last year. Um, so the biggest thing really that we've adapted to is just learning, you know, how to deal with Brad as a driver and an owner at the same time. And I, that sounds pretty cliche and pretty vague, but you never know. He might come to the table as an owner or he might come to the table as a driver and understanding <laughs> how that is and what yeah. perspective he's coming from is really important just to know, all right, which Brad am I dealing with here? And I would tell him that he knows I say that. So I, I'm not saying anything <laughs> there that he doesn't know. Um, yeah. And then even then on, you know, Chris's side, he obviously isn't that he's just a driver, right? He's still young. Um, even though there's kids that are barely 20 these days, but, uh, he's been around. So he's a little bit of a seasoned veteran, even though age wise, he's still young. Um, and he's just right there in Brad's wing, just taking it all in, but he's also a very under the radar, you know, respected, uh, obviously successful. So mm -hmm. it, it's a good balance. Um, probably the best balance is it's been my time here. Um, but it's been good. We'll uh we'll see how we can keep bouncing it all out this year. Heck yeah! I mean the results are there. I mean the, the yeah. results show everything that you're saying is completely true. Watching the entire growth of it, obviously we had a little bit more of a microscope from our end, just knowing you to be able to watch as everything has kind of changed. It it was amazing to see what 2023 brought y'all. So kind of moving into 2024, what are y'all's expectations? What are the what are the long term absolute trying to hit it goals that y'all are setting for yourselves by the end of the year. Yeah, really. It's, it's much of the same. Um, I, I think Brad, when he first got here, he said we wanted to compete for championships and that again, that's so cliche, but it's pretty simple, right? Like in our sport, if you win a few races a year and you're pretty consistent, top 10 sprinkling top five, you're going to do that. No matter if you're in the talk or not, like, you know, obviously you, you win races at the right time. And you're already in the championship hunt. It, it takes care of itself. Um, so knowing what we did last year uh, combined, especially, I think we probably ended the year way stronger than what I even remember personally. Um, you mm -hmm. know, the success throughout the year was obviously good. And Chris winning three races in and going way back to his first win in the year prior. But really, like those last seven, ten races where, you know, we were winning a stage here and there in the top five, it's a whole lot different feeling. Uh, to be in the top five throughout a whole race as opposed to kind of sneaking in late, finishing seventh. Those are those are two different things. Um, and it's funny because we haven't really had that. And everybody knows that. That's no secret. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything there. Nobody doesn't know. Um, so yeah, I think really 
for this year, the, the goal is probably just to keep doing that, but actually add on top of it because, um, you know, we know what's left out there. We knew where we came from and we got to what seventh and eighth points that fast. So if we did that in one mm-hmm. year or a year and a half, then all right, where can we go from here? So, um, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I, no, I, it's been a lot of fun to watch. It has. Go ahead, I, I think me personally, I want to see Brad K and victory lane. That's like my personal, <laughs> what I want to see happen for yeah. RFK this year. Obviously as many wins as possible, but no doubt. I want to see the six car with, with a uh, Brad K in there. And two things I wanted to say first, this is, I, I've heard, I think I've heard other people say this, but I also agree 110%. I feel like there's not two better teammates and like perfect personalities than Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher together under one roof. Would Do you agree with that? And do, do you see that like in the shop? Like you kind of said, like under his wing. Uh, yeah, I I just, I think that's like exactly what it is. Like he's just taking it all in and they work perfectly together. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't even view it as much as like, uh, like a veteran guy and a rookie. Cause obviously Chris no, is not ne- a rookie, me neither. Um, but yeah. it's kind of a nice mix of the two. You know what I mean? Um, like just, just in seeing them interact, you know, in the shop, in the office production days, like photo shoots, stuff like that. They both know obviously what they're doing on the racetrack. They've been there, done that successful. Um, obviously have different upbringings, but everybody does, right? Like, Brad and Chris aren't the same, and neither is, you know, Eric Jones and John Hunter Nemechek. Neither is Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Like, nobody's the same guy. Um, they all got to where they got to for different reasons. Uh, but, yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, they just – Brad, like I said, has that ownership mindset and just approaches things differently, whereas Chris just kind of stays in his lane and does what he needs to do and is really successful and doesn't really ever cause trouble – um, you know, he's, he's pretty to himself. Um, but he's got a, he's got a respectable following and it's actually, it's actually getting better, which is cool to see. Um, I'll give you an example. We, uh, so he goes to a fast and all show in December every year. It's down in Orlando and we've gone, you know, years prior, actually, I think in 2022, Brad went down there, um, to fill in whenever Chris's child was being born. But so Chris goes down there in Orlando, December. Um, I didn't make the trip. I was getting this third hand. And uh, he said he walked in and there's like an expo floor, like a few hundred people there. And he couldn't get in the door. Like everybody that saw <laughs> him was like, hey, that's that's the guy. He, he won races in our car. So uh, that's awesome. Th- those are little examples where and he even said he's like, yeah, three years ago, I I basically had to like, you know, tell people what I was yeah. there to do. Whereas now mm-hmm. it's just fully recognizable. Um, so, again, th- those kind of stories kind of resonate and pretty much show like how how far along we've come. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very different, but in a good way, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a, a veteran guy, future hall of famer owns overseas in the weeds on everything from team apparel to paint schemes to how the cars run. And then you've got Chris who does his thing, but he does it well. So it's a nice balance. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went to, I went to three or four races last year and from Atlanta last year to the last race of the year being whichever one it was towards the end of the year the amount of chris busher and rfk gear just in general i mean like i would point it out to caleb i was like dude i was like 
about every fourth or fifth person here is wearing Brad or Christopher or a lot of people are, and I feel like this is kind of a new thing. And I feel like RFK does a great job at this. Also track house, maybe 2311, but like people wearing like RFK gear or yeah. track house gear, not just mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like they support the whole team. You know, I don't recall, you know, 10 years ago going to races and like people being just wearing a Hendrick shirt or just wearing a Joe Gibbs shirt, you know? So I feel like that's, a, that's an interesting thing. That's like kind of changing, but I feel like that's like super cool that people are like, supporting rfk as a whole yeah um i had a second question to go along with the previous one so you brought up content and you kind of just said like almost maybe answered my question with saying brad's in the weeds and picks out uh you know hands-on with merch and whatever it is so content wise do the do you approve what goes on social media does the driver approve what goes on social media is it a mix of both i know one of your social media people elijah i don't know him personally but i followed him on social media since he had that super viral graduation video from like oh yeah before he's with ganassi like i think that's how he got his job if i'm not mistaken yep spot Um, on yeah, so I've I've followed him on social media, and that was you know probably five years ago or more. I don't know exactly how long that was, but so yeah, so like, does he make up? And I've seen his posts like I'm getting better at Photoshop, and I'm doing this, and like he's made posts about his progress of what he's done, you know, graphically and stuff. But I guess my main question is, who approves what goes on there? Does Elijah just post whatever, or you, or the driver, or what? That that's my that is yeah. my overall question. No, it's a good question. And everybody's different. Um, but for the most part, I would say this is kind of the answer. So um, we, Elijah works with Thomas on our team. Thomas basically handles shooting and capturing all of our content. Um, Elijah handles posting it, managing it, uh, reacting to, you know, fan sentiment, stuff like that across our channels. Um, so those two really are our content machine. Um, fortunately, myself and my boss, uh, Kevin, you know, we get to pitch in at the track and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, all four of us don't go every week, but, um, you know, it, it's funny cause every week you'll have one of us will be, uh, we'll touch, you know, the various channels and you might not ever know who's doing it. We try not to make it seem like, you know, who's touching it, uh, because we have a voice that we like to, you know, stay within. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the team of four that makes it up, but the two of those are definitely, they're the superstars. Um, I, I'm not going to steal their content. Fortunately, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I oversee them. So I do have to, you know, help them make some of the decisions, but yeah, to answer your question, it, uh, it's really just a group effort, Dawson. It, the driver never sees it, to be honest with you. Um, it, it's really those two kind of, they direct the ideas and then we'll pitch them, you know, to each other and kind of talk up and down the hallway. And that's essentially it. And actually I would even say sometimes it's really just the two of them. Um, you know, cause you have to be so, so quick and, and ready to go and reactionary to that kind of stuff. And there might not be time to do it. And I, I tell people all the time, people I work with uh, directly, like I'll get home and I'll catch up at the end of the night, like on what we posted. Cause I don't always see it, which fortunately we have a lot of trust built in there. So I don't have to see everything. Um, so I like totally. it that way. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it's a group effort. And, and on the driver front, I would say you, I know you guys know this, but they're different in how they manage and post their own content. I mean, now, man, that's a whole, that's a whole different discussion. You've got, you know, videographers and content guys walking around with drivers dedicated to them. Like that's just, that's what they do. Um, we manage Chris's channels. 
mainly that's a lot to do in that. And Thomas will shoot content for him. Um, on Brad's side, he's got an agency that handles his. So Brad will actually approve a lot of the stuff that's on his specific channels. Um, and every now and then we'll text Chris about stuff that's on his, but for the most part, Chris knows how we operate, you know, on behalf of him and, and he respects that. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Cause you know, you have to, you have to really like pay attention to what's going on. And Elijah and Thomas are so good at that. And I'm, I'm not as good at that. Um, but you also have to just be good at checking the boxes of what our partners and sponsors need and what we need to do. Um, so yeah, the, the content ball game is, it's never ending. Uh, it's, it's ongoing every day yeah. and it, it's fun to keep up with. And it's no such a doubt. big part of everything nowadays. You have to have oh, yeah. content, content, content. Yeah. I didn't really know in, uh, in 2020, uh, the guy that signed me to my BMG deal went to another company and I was doing some work with them and they had a social media person and it was my first ever like introduction into i've had social media since i was in high school obviously and that's kind of late to the game for kids nowadays they get you know facebook and instagram when they're like you know four but uh uh it was my first like introduction of like they're like up to date on memes and like what's funny and like how to use it in your world and they give you kind of a blueprint and they kind of you have a lot of say so in what you do but i just it it it's a, it's a talent like social media and content is a talent and oh, yeah. it just gets more and more important every single day that goes by, which mm -hmm. is mind blowing to me, but it's very true. And I've seen people make posts. I'm, I'm pretty sure Dell jr. Has talked about it, but like RFK social media is like one of the top tier social medias, especially on Twitter. Just like you said, the fan interactment and like funny stuff they post yep. and like even throwing it back to like, nascar thunder 2003 and just like stuff like that like i feel like elijah specifically was kind of raised like me and caleb or, well not caleb because he just got into racing you know in the last like seven or eight years but i'm like, a late bloomer but we'll like, me, like yeah I, I remember i'll take it for what it's worth <laughs> but like, i grew up playing all those video games and like he'll you know they'll post something from a super iconic race from like 2004 and it's like oh i remember that you know or have a meme of uh, you know, an RFK car doing something that was an iconic moment, stuff like that. Like, I feel like that really resonates with a lot of the fan mm -hmm. base, which I think is super cool. And not every, not all social media people are doing that for race teams. Not that you have to, but it is super cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, thankfully we, uh, and this is, you know, implemented well before my time, their time, uh, Kevin, that's, you know, that oversees our hallway. He, uh, he kind of instilled that, that voice way back when, um, and he's basically just trusted the people over time to, to carry it on. So, um, I'll give credit to him because yeah, we don't, we don't really nitpick a lot. We kind of just say, Hey, here you go. You're talented. Go with it. Um, and yeah. fortunately it works, which is so, super cool, super cool. To yeah. People kind of spread their wings and, you know, do what they got to do. And it, it's a big respect thing too. Like they know what they're representing. They know they wouldn't, you know, this wouldn't be said here. They wouldn't say, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. That's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Just shows that y'all have like a great team, great mesh of everybody on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. The level of trust definitely has got to be high. Just watching uh, my fiance, Allison go through that. Sometimes listen to them talk about different social media posts, different things that they're putting up the, the level of decision-making that they have to be involved in 
to be able to make stuff like that work blows my mind. And then the fact that y'all have people that y'all can trust enough that you don't even have to go over those secondary checks and balances to make sure everything is working. Yep. Honestly, I'd, it's amazing that y'all have been able to put that kind of stuff together, which is a testament to why y'all are doing so well now. As a business, y'all have so much trust and built into each other. It makes sense that everything has been going well so much for the last year and year and a half, two years. And how much of that has snowballed into all these huge wins and huge moments and the push into the playoffs that y'all had that nobody would have predicted, but everybody was super excited to watch. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a tougher question, but I've been wanting to ask it of you and feel free to answer however you want to, but as a fan and watching it from the outside, and I know we've brought it up on the podcast mm-hmm. before, yeah. watching the way that different teams get covered and different drivers get covered, it seems to me like a lot of times the folks in the NASCAR media are focused so much on Hendricks, uh, Stuart Haas, your Joe Gibbs teams. Y'all come along with this hot streak that's going on. And honestly, obviously, we have a direct line into the business. We hear about it all the time. We love to hear about it, and we're watching it closely. But it seems like a lot of times when you get onto your race hubs, uh, post-race coverage and different things like that, yep. there's a surprising lack of RFK in any of that, despite the level of success y'all reached last year. yeah, And I can't imagine the frustration that that's got to feel as you're going through that as somebody that's part of the organization. Is there a pol- is that like a politics thing? Is that something that's inherent to old school NASCAR of just the, well, they, it just takes a second before that kind of stuff kicks up. And I mean, can you speak to any of that? It, does that exist? Is that true? Is that something that we're just seeing because we want to see more of y'all? Or uh, no, that's how, good- how does that how does that work? As as if someone in PR like trying to get your name out there. What's what's the what's that like? And yeah. what's the push? And how do you get more of that kind of coverage for yourself? No, it's a fair question for sure. Um, and I guess the way that I look at it as, and this is you guys know this, and you can tell this from way far away. Um, the people that cover the sport, they love drama and they love to cover the drama of, of the drivers and the storylines and the teams and, you know, anything new and shiny. So you look at the last, I don't know, a couple years of the teams that have added third cars or added fourth cars and brought in guys from Australia, all those things, that's what's going to get the attention. Right. And I, I say that we just did that ourselves on the, the 60 program side. And obviously we garnered a lot of attention there. We wanted that, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of times those type of storylines cover up what actually might be underlying. Um, like if I think back to, I've never really thought about this, but I, if I think back to earlier last year, like in the summer, you know, we were kind of, we were in the mix, both in the playoff hunt, never really left it. Um, and we were getting, you know, decent coverage. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you went one race, you get some coverage, went two. It's like, all right, eyes are open. Then, then you get a lot of people reacting to you, right? So the way that I look at it as from my seat and my role is you're always going to get people reacting to, hey, you won two races in a row. Can Chris come on and do race hub or, or whatever the request may be? Um, just using that yeah. as an example. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, it's such a fine line to walk because I don't know what the answer is ultimately. Um, I know that, you know, like I said, the, the media love the drama and they love to cover what's what. Um, but also know that if I, in my role, if I wanted to go out and say, Hey, can y'all cover X story? 
they have every right to say no. Um, but I yeah. don't know that if, if I'm being honest, I don't know that that's happening a lot anymore in the sport. Um, I know years ago, like you'd pitch a lot of stuff. Like I know in you guys world, you have to pitch songs and they come out you're always pitching albums, stuff like that. Like I don't, in our world, it, it kind of is what it is. You're, you're basically your product on track is a result of your work. Right. Um, so yeah, don't get me wrong. When, when you do win and you have success, the, the requests come in and your workload definitely increases. But after, you know, three weeks went by for those two wins in a row and it was back to mm -hmm. the norm. You know what I mean? There was, there was nothing really different. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're still kind of relishing in the win and you're, you know, making sure you get the trophies in and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it's an ebb and flow. And, uh, you know, it, in terms of TV, I was going to say this too. I know a lot of people always, I'll see reactions and heck I'll even get texts from people I work with. Um, and they'll say, Hey, we finished eighth. Where was our interview after the race? And I'm like, look, you got to understand like how this works just because you didn't see it doesn't mean they didn't tape it. Right. I mean, we tape mm -hmm. interviews all the time and I, I, I will literally be standing there and the driver will do an interview after a race. And I have no idea if it's live, if it's taped, I don't know if it's even going anywhere to tape um, until well after the fact. And somebody will say, you know, we didn't get any coverage for our sponsor. I'm like, look, we have zero control over that. Right. Um, whereas yeah. I can't control if they're going to go talk to the 14th place guy for whatever reason they might be talking to him for. Um, <laughs> I also don't control that. So yeah, it is frustrating in the moment. Um, a lot of times, cause you just don't know what the reasonings are. Um, to your point, Caleb, I, I don't know if it's, you know, politics, storylines, who, who knows? Um, end of the day, you only control what you can control. You know, you try to promote your guys the best you can. Um, so that's where a lot of times we kind of come in on our own, you know, team content side, just try to play it up. Cause look, if nobody else is, I mean, we control our own deal, right? So we can promote mm -hmm. ourselves all we want. I don't care if anybody, any, anybody else does. So, um, hopefully that's a somewhat of a roundabout answer for you. Yeah, no, I've, that's just a, that's just the funny part for us is of course we understand what we go through on our end and we don't see everything that y'all go through on yours. Uh, I didn't even honestly know how many times that y'all were taping interviews that don't even get aired. That part just blows my mind that they just end up lost in the ether somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense now hearing about it that that does happen. But yeah, because you it know, just, it is fun. It's obvious it's working on y'all's end. That uh, your social media pushes and your content is all going somewhere. Yeah, just like Dawson said, you go to the tracks, you see RFK stuff everywhere. Well, like so the, that's the, working. Yeah, on the Winning TV deal, you, a lot of a lot of problems too. Yeah, you yeah. force them yeah. to talk about you when you win three races in a season, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and you don't know. Like a lot of times, the TV window might be up in two minutes when we get to mm -hmm. post race, right? Or it might they might need to fill forty five. So if they will know, like we'll have an idea of hey, TV's filling thirty minutes here, and they'll they'll sweep the top ten at least on pit road, tape every interview. Now it could just yeah. go to, you know, Twitter or like a digital platform, might not go to actual TV. But if they're in the, yeah. you know, last 10 minutes of that TV window, you're, you're lucky if you're getting on there. That doesn't mean you don't get interviewed. That just means it might not make it. So it, it's, yeah. it's a crapshoot always, and you can't control it. Yeah, for sure. Well, y'all are doing everything right on the back end, which is the best part about it. So we get That's to still right. talk to you and still get to see a bunch of RFK stuff. If Heck you're yeah. selling merch, you're making a lot better money than you are <laughs> taking interviews on TV anyway. That's right. That's also, I was going to kind of say that, like, 
talk about drama being what pushes, uh, you know, they're always following the drama and I'd agree with that hundred percent, but y'all have mm -hmm. two drivers who aren't dramatic. They go out and just let what they do on the racetrack do their talking. You know, they're Chris yeah. Busher isn't coming out in a pair of flashy Jordans and leather pants and, you know, weird stuff like that, which, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But if he did that, people would be like, Hmm. That's interesting, you know? Yeah. Chris Buscher is the guy <laughs> that comes out that in shiny thing. blue jeans and boots and goes yep. and races the car, you know? And I, yeah. there's, I think, me personally, I think there's nothing wrong with going out and getting the job done. I mean, he had a lot more wins than other people that get a lot of coverage, you know? So, yeah, I think that's that's just fine. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. Yeah, it's just fun to, fun to talk about the what-ifs sometimes. I yeah. always enjoy it. Exactly. Nothing like it, man. But no, it's been it's been fun watching the last year and a half and how everything has kind of worked out in y'all's favor. And it's even more fun to get text you about it and see uh, see how y'all are all reacting because I know y'all have taken a lot of pride in everything that y'all put together over the last race season. And I know this next year ain't going to be anything different. So we're That's definitely good. looking forward to seeing what y'all can put together and see if we can get another one-two push at Daytona just one race earlier in the season. That's one, right. Two, three, yeah, baby. We get the yeah, 60 car up there too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah one, two, three. Let's it, make it that. At this point. Yeah. If we got the 60 in the mix, I think we're, uh, we're doing good. I, that's, I don't, I know that's not the whole reason why we're doing that, but obviously look at the end of the day, if that 60 cars in there in the top five with two to go or whatever, we'll, we'll take He's it. Helping. So exactly. absolutely that, more, more, that's just putting extra insurance in my, in my opinion, it's just an extra car, have extra yep. help. I mean, in a plate track, that's exactly what you want, you know, and he, mm -hmm. the 60 car is going to be 99% going to be locked up to a, a, either the six or the 17. And exactly. Brad, all three drivers know that. So yep. I think it's cool. I, I think I actually heard Brad say that or something in an interview about like having that insurance, that third car, just like knowing it's there and you know, you can make more moves and all that. So I think it's really cool. And I also have a question about that sponsor. What is buildsummarines.com? What is that? Oh man, that's a good question. You put me on the spot. No, not really. Uh, ah, so yeah. essentially there, you've got the submarine industrial base, uh, which is, they're essentially trying to recruit the next generation of folks to work on, um, submarines. And I know that's a lot of jargon in there, but it really is what it sounds like. Um, so the government, they've realized that there's a, a an extreme lack of, of folks working on stuff like that. And because of it, we're at like an extreme shortage of submarines to be able to survive in like the military circles in the next 10, 20, 30 years. So essentially the program is actually through a parent company called Blue Forge Alliance. And they're based out of Texas. They work with the Navy directly. So basically what it, what happens is if you go to that website right now, um, you click on like careers or opportunities and it's got everything from engineers to pipe fitters to, you know, uh, laborers to you name it, anything. Um, there's a lot of manufacturing, like additive manufacturing stuff in there, which is Brad's side business, funny enough. Um, so it's essentially all these opportunities that are, that are filtered through this one website, um, to drive awareness for the fact that we need people to go in that workforce and help build things that build submarines. Um, now you might, you might sign up for one job at Dow, right? You might be working in the paint industry or um, I don't know, like a aircraft industry. So it might not feel like it's related to submarines, but at the end of the day, it all in some way ties in. Um, 
so that's that's the gist of it. Um, it I, I'd say it's been pretty successful. I think the first, let's see, we announced that deal last May um, around the 600. And I, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, so I don't want to lie, but their website traffic skyrocketed, right? Um, and I think they've seen a lot of signups since then. We've actually had people internally that their kids have signed up through it and are like starting that school in the next, you know, few weeks. Um, so it's a cool deal. It's, it's something different. And, you know, that's one of those things that people, you know, they look at partners of the sport and they're like, all right, what's on this car? What's on that car? And, you know, a lot of times you forget, but obviously we're more closely attached to it being, being in the weeds on it. But, um, yeah, it's a good deal. It, uh, you know, obviously anything that ties back to the military in some ways, um, a lot of resonates with a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how many more people we can recruit this year via, you know, their social content and living on our race cars. Heck yeah. That's actually incredible. I had no idea about any of that. Yeah. And I wish I, I was just thinking about this as you were saying that there's, there's, they're few and far between, but there are a couple sponsors or like a couple things that pop up throughout the season you see on a car. I wish TV, even social media, like would elaborate more on exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you just, you just like pitched that. That was like, perfect like that made me like fired up about it you know and there <laughs> yeah, could be more something too along the way i'm sure there's more of those not exactly that but like more yeah. sponsorships in nascar that people would be like oh well if i had known you know that could like get somebody behind a driver but yeah you know, that literally what you just said could get someone like they believe in that that's awesome i'm behind brad keselowski now because of that you know what i mean yeah. i was like well that's Dawson, incredible you- i think that's super cool I'll tell you this, that's kind of the, that's the stuff that we're tasked with. Like me and the folks I work with, um, after we announced that deal last year, this peak behind the curtain, we, we were like, all right, we got the announcement without race happened. And they had, they didn't have another race for like a couple of weeks. I think it was. And I, I was sitting there and I'm going, all right, what have we actually done to promote what it is other than here's a release. Here's a cool announcement, which the announcement was really cool. Very unique. Um, so we kind of mm-hmm. went back to the drawing board and we're like, all right, we need to educate people on what we're actually talking about. So we basically came up with all these very simple, you know, marketing platforms on social that, that explain that. Um, so sometimes you have to just take a step back and, you know, realize you're in the, in the mix of it every day. And just because I know, doesn't mean that everybody in the, you know, watching the race knows. So um, a lot of times it's just education and getting people up to speed on stuff like that. Totally. And I was going to add too, um, cause this is, we tell the story to a lot of partners and, a lot of folks in the industry, the way that came about, this will blow your mind. So a guy on our sales team, Justin, this was March madness last year. He was at a sports bar down in Charlotte. Um, he was sitting there by himself at the bar watching one of the March madness games. And he saw the ad pop up for buildsubmarines.com, kind of the like lower third on the bottom. Didn't know what it was. Googled it, went to the website next day, cold reached out to somebody on their team, found an email address and that was it. And here we are. And That's it's, incredible. it's a, you're kidding. It's a multi-year deal. Oh yeah. It, it's one of our biggest partner announcements we've had in a long, long time. Wow. Um, that so is yeah, it, you shout did, out to that sports bar. Uh, yeah. You never know, uh, where stuff like that goes. So, um, cause you know, people, that's really the thing that drives this whole sport, right? Like obviously you guys know that and most everybody does at this point, but you can find people that want to be in it, but you got to find people that really want to invest in it to be able to sustain it. And fortunately, Justin found those guys and, you know, this is their first full year. Um, I think they're on the car, like a combined 18 or 19 races. So they're, uh, 
they're excited and looking forward to a, a full year with us. Man, that's, that's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of teams could benefit from posting, even if, like I said, if TV doesn't do it, like doing a video or, or little like pinpoint things about, you know, businesses and stuff. Like, yep. not that this is anywhere near as cool as that, but like I saw where Kyle Bush, his new sponsorship is like zone nicotine pouches or something, and that's like his primary main sponsorship for this year. It's like – yeah. What is that? I've never heard of that in my whole entire life, you know? And the car's right. like super elaborate and got like a lot of crazy colors on it. Like it's going to pop, I feel like on the racetrack. But since especially since that that's his primary sponsor, they should do something that like what yeah. this is, what they stand for, you know, something like that. Yeah, even I better. Be- I just saw him on a Morgan and Morgan commercial. So if he does if y'all end up going out and wrecking him, you might want to be careful about it cuz he's got a good guy in his back pocket. That's nowadays. true. You never know. <laughs> yeah but no that's all honestly the value creation i feel like is the hardest part for y'all now when it comes to trying to woo a sponsor over like it's so difficult to be heard anymore because yeah. there's it's so easy to put your voice out there it's hard to rise above the rest it's and you can consume to stuff so many y'all different to do ways that. yeah sponsorship wise and stuff it, you can consume it in so many different ways so it's like what's that unique pitch for a nascar team you yeah know? And here's yeah. the reality too. And we, you'd think it'd be so easy because it's badass, loud engine cars running around in a circle and tons of fun, bunch of drunk rednecks out there. You'd think there was a, yeah, huge boom, but it's not the same as it was back in the day. Yeah, and see, a lot of people don't realize too, Dawson. To your point, you know, you're talking about telling people what your brand is. A lot of sponsors come into the sport, and they have very different, you know, goals and objectives than maybe what our other sponsor does. Like. Actually, that's what we do a lot of times when we get a new one on board, we start from the beginning and say, all right, what do you want out of this deal? Because if if we don't understand what you want, then how are we going to activate it and let fans know, which then drives the value for the money you're paying, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we have like Build Subs. They came in last year and they bought, golly, they bought in-car cameras, felt like every other week. Um, they were buying additional hospitality, which is, these are pretty significant investments, right? On top of what they've already paid for um, for the actual sponsorship itself. Um, and then you have, you know, partners of ours that have been with us for more than a decade and they're great. And they're, you know, they've obviously sustained our company a lot, but they just kind of do the run of the mill. They're on the car, they do some social content and that's it. And they entertain and host folks in a VIP capacity, you know, pretty much every other week. So there's a very wide range of, you know, of what folks are doing in the sport. And that's okay. It, It, fortunately, we're not in a scenario where, you know, you come in and you have to do these same three, three or four things. Um, we're kind of flexible to where we can kind of take whatever a sponsor wants and say, all right, let's custom mold it, make the content they want, make the, you know, activation platforms they want and run with it. So uh, that's the that's the part that's fun that, you know, that everybody on, you know, my our team that I work with in the, you know, non-competition side, that's what we're tasked with doing, which is always interesting to try to, figure out how we uh how we promote all those folks in a in a different way that's super cool and a, a, yeah. a, something that i don't think the even me and i consider myself more than the average fan but like the average fan has no idea you know what i mean they just see the logo on the car and you know that's about it you know they don't think even like you don't think about 
all those people coming in like VIPs, you know, that are sitting on y'all's pit box or doing like it. I remember Atlanta last year, Kings Hawaiian had that whole entire setup and Brad was out there <laughs> doing the question and answer and they were like grilling little burger sliders and stuff. Like, oh yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Like, and that's the fun like that, stuff right there. Awesome. Yeah. I love yeah, when they do that. Yeah, totally. Oh, no doubt. When they get into it too. I remember some of the Solomon guys coming off the pit box when we were there at uh, Talladega when <clears throat> we we came off so they could have some spots and right after it happened was when that wreck came down Oh yeah! and they immediately turned back around and you could tell they were fired up. They wanted to see their car doing well. Y'all were up, y'all were running up front. Everything was going great. And then the wreck happens, takes you out and they were coming off the pit box and they were, they were cussing up a storm. They were having a great time of it. You could tell they were fired up. They hated to see the wreck, but they had a great time the whole time. So you could tell that, there's value that you're creating there for them. They want to be a part of it and they are fired up and they are ready to be there and Absolutely. they're excited. They're paying attention. So yeah. you, you can tell you're engaging with them well, and it's a tough thing to do, especially whenever these guys have maybe never been to a race before, know anything about it. Now all of a sudden you're thrusting them into this new situation and it's working. Yep. That's right. And I feel like you have to do not to keep going on this topic, but <clears throat> like, Certain sponsors are easier to promote, like just King's Wine, like going and doing those burgers. That's super easy, super – everybody gets that. Yeah. You know, going and like doing the build submarines things, like how do you do something like that? You know, you you do have to – like it just proves like every single one is – each deal is custom, you know? And yeah. I, that's super cool to even think about. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, which is way different too than, you know, ten, yeah, probably 10 years ago, especially 20 years ago every team basically had one, right? Like you had Home mm -hmm. Depot or Coca-Cola or Budweiser mm -hmm. or Lowe's. So imagine doing that back then just for one, right? Like per car, per team. Now we've got, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 partners for two cars. So you, you take that same approach and you multiply <laughs> it and you somehow, you know, don't piss anybody off and make sure everybody gets the same value out of it while balancing, you know, you know, making sure that you're respectful to who's on the car that week versus who might have a, a social campaign that's coming up, but they might not be on the car, but you still have to do it. You know, it, it's a fun battle. Um, and, and that's obviously, you know, what we're here for to make sure we, we walk that line accordingly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely cool. a tightrope you're walking there. It's cool. <laughs> Always. I give it to you. Always. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've, we've been going at this a little over an hour. I feel it's a pretty solid first episode, boys, for Ray's Rowdy Racing. Heck yeah, Heck yeah. definitely. Well, before we Brandon, go, though, thank you for coming uh, on. Yeah, where are you guys headed to? I know it, we're in like the heart of January. It's the dead of winter outside, so you might tell me it's two more months, but um, I wasn't <laughs> going to let you talk for an hour without talking about yourself. So uh, <laughs> where, where, where are you guys headed to coming up? Uh, actually, I think our first show is on March 1st in Nashville. So okay. the very nice. first show, we don't even have to leave for it's an acoustic. So I'm, I'm going to be there. I don't think Dawson, unless you're coming up to go watch is going to be on watch. this. I'm coming to watch one of the acoustic shows. I don't know which one. Uh, you got to do Pelham. We have yeah, a, the uh, in the cave. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the acoustic tour that we do usually takes place for like a month at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And it's just a bare bones crew of me, tour manager, lighting director, and video person, and maybe a merch person. So it's a very bare bones crew. Nice. Go and just do him and a guitar and maybe a second one that's tuned somewhere different. And uh, so, yeah, we're starting that up in March. And we have, I think, 12 dates in March that we're doing. So 
we're going to start it off strong, and then after that, we can, I think we have 50 full band shows throughout the year, what we're planning on, and uh, that's yeah. when Dawson will kick back up. But we do have one show that I'm definitely looking forward to. It's in Pelham, Tennessee. There's apparently some caves that they've created a stage inside of. So you play in a cave no down way. under the ground. and So I'm, I'm excited just to see what that's like. I'm glad we're doing it acoustic because I can imagine it's a nightmare full band. Oh, I'm sure. But we're hitting that one, so that's definitely my highlight reel right now. And also I found out I think we might be doing Billy Bob's this year. Nice. So I'm definitely stoked. Been going there my entire life. Yeah. And yeah, definitely I love excited to finally work it and mark it off mark it off the list. Yeah, I love that place. We uh I think I went for the first time in the last five or six years and then took my wife uh, a couple years ago. Um Heck and yeah, yeah I, I wanted to go back like the next night because somebody different was there. Yeah. But uh Who'd yeah. you see? Uh Diamond Rio. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. that'd have been a ton of fun. <laughs> that's yeah. killer. I, yeah, probably not the answer you expected, but it it was awesome. I loved it. No, that's the answer exactly what that's, I expected that's ex- because yeah. that's perfect. That's yep. what a great band to see at a great venue. Yeah, that's like yeah. Diamond Rio at Billy Bob's is like top tier country music. You know what I mean? That's like yeah. exactly what you're going for. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, we got lucky I, that weekend. On my Yeah, I think my twenty first it was whenever Robert Earl Keane played there and watching him get up there in front of a bunch of Texans is hilarious because everybody just loses their mind and tries to imagine. do their best Robert Earl Keane interpretations. It's like which is just getting absolutely trying to walk beers and you got your, <laughs> and you got that interpretation. You know what that comparison is? That's like Riley green going to play the Talladega infield concert. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, if I we can't imagine that shit, if we up. just made that happen every year, I think everybody would be happy. Just, just to recur. Oh, I don't guess, think anybody but, complain. Yeah, totally. Yeah, man, what a time! I'd l- I'm just waiting to see who it, does they announce to the uh, Daytona 500 performer is yet. You know, they probably did, and I probably missed it. But uh, people I, uh, keep asking Bob, and he keeps saying they have. He doesn't know, so I haven't. Huh. I don't think it has been. Gotcha. Come on, Bob. They're holding out on if us. Bob don't know. I assume nobody. Yeah, knows. Bob doesn't know. Nobody knows. Man, Bob's always the first. Ah. Yeah, he always is. Yeah, we're doing that. I th- I actually just had my first phone call right before I got on this podcast. I was on my very first phone call of the year, so heck yeah, we're just now starting to kick it back off. It's waited a little later than usual, but we're here. Awesome. Yeah, and then we so we start full band in March, and since this is the first podcast of the year, on a personal note, and I feel like I can say this now because I sent back the contracts this morning at like ten o'clock, signing another pub deal. For yo, hey, yeah. let's go. I don't know. You write songs for a living. I'm still doing the Travis thing, obviously. But uh, Dream Three and Cobalt music are uh, this is my new home for the next four years. Yeah. So Very super nice. pumped about that. Good deal. Long time coming. Yeah, we'll make the official post and we do the pictures and Music Row magazine and all that. That'll be in the next month or so. But sent back all the all the stuff on the contract this morning. That's been they offered the deal in like October, November of last year. I can't remember exactly when, but it takes a long time to do all the contract work. But uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't. Nobody knows about that except for a couple buddies here and there. But yeah, by the time this comes out, it'll be the ink will be drying on that, which would be cool to, for like the, yeah. the ten people that listen to this. They'll know now. <laughs> <laughs> it'll spread around. 
That's right. The 10 people that listen to it and get to the hour 15 mark. Yeah. Man, that's a small subset yeah, of our audience small, right there. <laughs> that's a small uh, chunk of the people. I'll, I'll make a big social media post in the yeah, next. Exactly. Yeah, those this, are the big Dawson honestly, Edwards fans right there. Yeah. Exactly. The, the hour 15 committed. This is the part of the... Uh, the part of the podcast where we have you, Brandon, tell us one thing that you are going to do in the future to cheat up one of your cars yep. just to see if anybody's paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah. Less weight, always. <laughs> Less weight, always. It's no secret, by the way. Everybody does that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. That's funny. Yeah. It's going to be a uh, good year. Well, I'm excited for awesome. all aspects. On the road, it's- writing songs, Rage Rowdy Racing, NASCAR. Damn. I'm excited. If for it could all beat it. twenty uh, end of 2023, honestly, it wouldn't have to try too hard. It just say, it wouldn't take much year. to beat the end of year 2023. Nope, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh shoot. Well, dang, Brandon, we appreciate you coming on. I know we've already kind of teased it a little bit, but we'll probably have you back sometime this year, probably <laughs> right after the first win of the win of the season. So, so maybe right after Daytona or. Something coming up here soon, Atlanta. I know Brad's always going to have a strong run there. So yeah, yeah, yeah we may be hearing it. from you sooner rather than later. Yeah, we'll uh, I'll I'll be always at, be here. I'll be at Atlanta. Love it. Hell yeah, nice. I'll have to see what I can make it to since we're starting up early. I'm not sure what I'm going to be available for. I was about to say, don't forget out. that's week two now, so uh, that comes sooner than I later. Know. I know. Yeah. We're gonna have to get used to it again. My yep. sister has never been to a race, and I didn't really – I guess I knew that, but I didn't realize it until she said something last year, and I was like, damn, I got to get you to a race. And so yeah. uh, I bought her ticket – me and her tickets to Atlanta for Christmas. So That's awesome. Very nice. Good for you. We'll be there to freeze our ass off like we were last year. Let's That's go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like cold, hot Atlanta. I know, right? <laughs> Nothing like it. Heck, yeah. Well, Brandon, yeah. thank you a ton. I know we've told you that, but thanks for coming on. And obviously, we've said it, but Brandon's <laughs> going to be on here a bunch this year, so yeah. get ready for Go it. Go follow RFK for all the best tweets, Instagram posts, TikToks you'll ever see in your entire life. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Brandon, what's your uh, what's your handles on everything if you want anybody following you? Oh, man, you put me on the spot. So since I have such a common <laughs> name, I have to put like so many underscores on my stuff um, on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it nowadays. I believe it's at underscore B underscore Lee underscore. So there's more underscores and letters. Uh, Instagram, I'm BR Lee. And then I think three underscores. So uh, yeah, if you just search the name, it it should pop up, should be fine there. Um, and then yeah, on yeah. RFK, it's, it's pretty standard RFK racing across the board. So uh, we'll take all the support we can get. Heck yeah. We'll get all all like 17 of the people that even know this podcast exists. Send it on over to you. Give, give you a good follow. <laughs> Heck yeah. It'll be a good time. Uh, and don't forget, we got at Raised Rowdy Racing on Instagram, TikTok, and then at RZD Race, uh, Rowdy Racing on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Caleb Con Rowdy. Mine is Dawson Edwards Music across the board. You can find me anywhere. Heck yeah. But now, well, thanks again, Brandon, for coming out and joining us. And uh, we'll see you on the next one as soon as we can. But for uh, for everybody else, we appreciate y'all listening. Let's get a uh, let's get a good twenty twenty four season started off here strong. Appreciate y'all listening, and we will come back at y'all here real soon after the five hundred. You got it, boys. Thank you. See ya. Got it.
Самое 